0: Welcome to eventful the podcast for meeting professionals i'm your host lauren edelstein with Northstar star meetings group eventful the podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar i look forward to hearing what you think and please be sure to subscribe
1: since covid19 hit so much has changed about how we approach travel particularly around how individuals and organizations assess the risk of heading to another city or country. Today, event planners and individual business travelers must navigate new rules and restrictions, take many additional precautions, and manage a number of logistical steps that would have been hard to imagine just a few months ago. During Incentive Live, Northstar's recent virtual event that brought together buyers and suppliers for employee incentive and reward programs, attendees got to hear expert advice on navigating this new kind of travel. Suzanne Sangiovese, commercial and communications director at travel risk assessment company Riskline, presented on the topic of the new science of travel. She discussed each stage of the attendees journey, how it has changed in response to COVID-19 and offered specific pieces of advice that every traveler should take to ensure their safety. On today's episode of Eventful, the podcast of meeting professionals, we share those tips.
0: It's great to be here and of course as here i mean incentive live uh, and not my home office which is like groundhog day on repeat which i'm sure we are all so familiar with now as alex said i am the commercial and communications director at riskline riskline is a travel risk intelligence company we've been in business since 2007 headquartered outside of beautiful copenhagen denmark but for all intents and purposes we really are a global company We have a presence in over 12 countries and now are operating in over nine different time zones across the world, really preparing organizations and travelers for their trip before and during travel with alert messaging service, predestination information, in depth country and city reports, risk mapping. And of course, now what is on everybody's mind is COVID 19. So, the new science of travel. What are we expecting? I never thought I'd be a scientist in my career. Yet here we are. And of course, I am sure none of us have ever thought that we would be in a pandemic, but here we are. I was thinking the other day, last year at this time, I was just kind of coming back from a trip abroad and about to hop on a flight for another trip, not a care in the world. But now that's a completely different set of circumstances that we're in. Uh, with so many new questions, new concerns, that are going to be populating our mind. Can I get to a certain country? Are the borders open? Is there a quarantine in place? And not just internationally, but even domestically now, as we're seeing uh, quarantines come pop up at the state and provincial level. Do I need to take a COVID test uh, before I head off? Am I going to have to have one on arrival? Uh, Should I download a tracing app? What are the sanitation measures that are in place on planes, on trains, at hotels? Do we have to wear masks? Will there be food? Will be restaurants be open? And even to what's going to happen if I get sick? Before last year, and this actually did happen to me. I ended up getting ill on my trip, but I never really thought to worry about this. Uh, so what I'm kind of planning to do during this session is take everybody through a hypothetical journey with me, sort of what to expect at all parts and lakes along the trip, what we will end up seeing. I want to keep this very focused on science, as the title is saying for this session. I don't really want to go down one of those rabbit holes of uh, science fiction, because I know what we're reading a lot about, travel pods and you know, kind of little side blunders that'll kind of come up in between seats on planes. Right now, we're not exactly seeing that as a reality. So I just want to focus on what to expect what has already been uh, put in place and what's likely to be in place for uh, the coming months so regardless of where you're going to be before we you know we even head off to an airport or anything else there's really some things to be prepared for and to kind of expect I'd say no matter what's going to happen uh, it's not to say that at each leg of your journey you're going to come across every single item that I talk about, but I guess just be aware and anticipate it, expect that it's going to happen. So the first thing really is a health certificate. What this means is it could be um, having a COVID negative test done 48 to 72 hours before departure. This is primarily more for an international trip than that something is happening uh, domestically. Also, you may have to download Uh, a form, fill out a form before departure that really again talks about kind of some health screening questions as well as your travel history over the past 14 or 30 days. Uh, Expect enhanced health screening measures. So this could be from very non-invasive temperature checks that we've been seeing to those kind of I'm getting goosebumps, my spine is tingling just thinking about it, those really invasive nasal swabs or a throat swab. Expect reduced services across the board. Uh, More contactless options and cashless services, uh, quarantine, domestic or international. Like I said, we are seeing these domestic quarantines now pop up stateside as well as from province to province. Social distancing, I know that's the norm. It's not gonna go away anywhere anytime soon. And masks, I know masks are a little bit of a contentious issue and kind of controversial, but at the end of the day, expect to bring one At some point, you're going to have to wear one. This is just kind of a fact of life, Uh, regardless if you like it or not. uh, That's probably what's going to have to happen during your travel journey. All right, we're going to go to the airport. So again, bear with me. You can definitely close your eyes. Imagine that's where we're going right now. Before you even head to the airport, one of the things you're really going to want to make sure you do is check about when to arrive. So some airports are now uh, implementing new procedures for arrival and when to get there. So before it was always typically 60 minutes or 90 minutes, depending on your destination, if it was just a domestic, transporter, or international flight. We're now seeing those times really change. It could be up to four hours in some cases. Some airports around the world are recommending you get there just because of possible lengthy uh, increases and wait times. Expect. In some cases, those enhanced health screening measures, so like a non-invasive temperature check. Some airports are doing this now. Some have issued statements that they will be implementing this before you can access the terminal within the fall. So kind of expect that that'll be coming up. Less in-person check-in staff and more kind of emphasis on that self-service kiosks. Uh, This again is really just to minimize contact that you have with staff, Also, again, though, to expect that some of those self-service kiosks may be blocked off. Again, this is just to help and put more emphasis on social distancing. Increased wait times and lines. Like I mentioned before, uh, reduction, again, of services. So restaurants, cafes, bars, shops that you'd expect to be open at the airport now closed. Inconsistency with mask use. So, again, some airports are saying have a mask. It's mandated. You should wear one. Others are not. Some have very good uh, social distancing uh, measures and barriers in place. Others really don't. So again, kind of a bit inconsistent in this regard. And then two, a new gate closure times. So before it was typically maybe 15 minutes before departure, the gate would close. Now we're seeing things like 30 minutes. But the advice here is definitely, again, check with the airport, check with your air airline when you need to arrive, what time you need to be at the gate. We really highly recommend to check in online. Use kind of electronic ticketing if it's available, just again to reduce your contact with staff. Wear a face mask, bring spares. I know I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of this session, but really bring enough masks uh, that in the event yours gets soiled or wet, you can change it out. Also recommending to change out your mask every four to six hours of continuous use. Again, to pack a lot of hand sanitizer, wet wipes, disinfectant wipes in your carry-on luggage. You're probably just going to have to have a carry-on luggage, I'm sure, just for all of these additional new things, you'll need to be packing. So we've made it through the airport. We're now at the gate. Again, what to expect here? Health uh, screening prior to boarding. So some airlines are also introducing... Uh, temperature checks, additional questionnaires. What's also uh, really wise to know about is some passengers have been denied boarding for looking visibly ill. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you have a condition that's simply a pre-existing condition that makes you look ill, perhaps you suffer from seasonal allergies like hay fever, it might be a really good idea to get a doctor's note beforehand that you can present uh, to the uh, staff at the gate in in case they kind of want to deny you boarding for for a certain reason like that. Changes also to boarding procedures. So instead of the typical zone one boarding, now zone two or zone three, we're seeing uh, boarding procedures that are back of the plane first and then up to the front of the plane. Mandatory mask use. Typically on most airlines, they are kind of advising this. Some even full sort of those facial uh, shields as well are being mandatorily made. Again, now on the plane and in the air itself, some passengers aren't following those rules. So just be concerned, be aware of that may be happening. A reduction in food and beverage services. And also, I mean, what we were seeing before, sometimes blocked middle seats, really limiting use of laboratories that is kind of going out of fashion now. We're seeing a return of airlines selling all seats, not blocking out those middle seats anymore. Just be aware of that. Also, some airlines will have personal little personal care packages available in sort of the seat back pocket in front of you. So that will be hand sanitation, masks. It could be, again, uh, disinfectant wipes, bottle of water, anything that you can use to make your journey uh, a little more comfortable and peace of mind. So, again, what we're recommending is wear a mask, bring spares, disinfect your tray table basically anything that has a lot of touch points. We know that airlines are doing a lot in their part to do a deep disinfectant of the aircraft. But again, to keep peace of mind for yourself, uh, disinfect your tray table, that window shade, your armrest, maybe the seatbelt buckle, any place that you'd really expect hands to be touching a lot on a flight. Definitely open the airflow uh, in your air vent overhead. Airplanes do have HEPA filters most of them, the majority of the modern aircraft do have extremely industrial good HEPA filters that are filtering the air 99.9% of particles. So turning that on just really helps air to circulate. So you're not sitting in this enclosed uh, capsule as much. Remain in your seat as much as possible. Pro tip, try to take a seat by the window. Again, that just limits exposure of how many people are around you. Uh, The health experts at this time are really saying the main places where the most hazard you'd find in an airplane is during boarding and disembarking when most people can't social distance. Um, And two, if you're sitting next to somebody who is coughing and sneezing. So again, this is why mask use is good and just kind of limit to how many people you can have in your immediate surrounding. Also, just consider to bring your own food and beverages. Now, if you didn't get on an airplane, maybe you took a train. Very, very similar uh, set of circumstances that you're going to expect. Reduced services and schedules, so some trains aren't running overnight services or just less uh, routes, less services on routes. Pre-board health check and screening, very similar to what you see at the airport. Contactless ticketing options as well. So again, electronic ticketing, limiting your contact with staff. Reduce food and beverage service or just kind of takeout options. You can't sit in that cafe carriage any longer. And mandatory mask use. Same set of advice for the airplane as the train. Wear face masks. Disinfect areas around you in your seat. Check in online if you can. Uh, Check with the departure uh, time as well. Maybe you have to get there a little bit earlier than normal. And to remain in your seat as much as possible. We got through the first leg of the trip. We got through the plane, we got through the train. Now we're inside the rental cars, the taxis. This is what we've been seeing. So a lot of now contactless pickup options for vehicles, again, to limit contact with staff, personal care packages inside rental vehicles. So you can wipe down your steering wheel, your shift, any any parts of the car that would get a lot of touch surface going on. Mask use inside taxis and ride shares. Again, this is being made mandatory in some cities and across some ride share options. Strict passenger limits. So before it used to probably be you have a seatbelt on, you can get that many people in the vehicle as long as they can have a seatbelt on. We're not seeing that as much anymore. So limiting the number of passengers as well as blocking out the uh, front passenger seat as well. Again, plexiglass. So this is kind of normal and standard in a lot of taxis around the world, but not all and not in a lot of rideshares. But now we are seeing this get installed um, or even sort of makeshift uh, plastic as well that can go in, zip on and zip off. Advice very similar as what I've been saying all along. Wear a mask, ride in the rear seat of the vehicle, open a window or ask the driver to kind of open the air events for the duration of the journey. Again, this just really helps with air circulation. Handle your own luggage if possible. I know it might look really, really rude if you let the driver take out your suitcase and then right away you're like wiping it down with your uh, disinfectant wipe. But if you can handle your own luggage or if not, just make a mental note, perhaps clean that, wash your hands after. Uh, And again, use cashless payment options. Uh, When possible, and then sometimes too, uh, some taxis are no longer accepting as well uh, cash. So be very, very aware of this. All right, at the hotel we've arrived. First thing to be aware of: fewer accommodation options. This is because some hotels are not operating any longer, unfortunately. Also, um, some what they're doing to really ensure uh, a deep, sort of a deep disinfection uh, between stays is they're blocking out hotel rooms for 24 hours. So to really limit back to back consecutive consecutive nights of different guests staying there, you'll have basically anywhere from 24 to 48 hours where Rome won't be available. And what that means though, is less rooms available at all times. Once you get there again, enhanced health screening measures, non-invasive temperature checks, possibly as well a questionnaire of where you've traveled in the past 14 days, uh, Closed or fewer facilities and amenities. So things like the gym, pool, sauna, spa, if it's available at, at your hotel. These things may either be closed or just operating on reduced services, or it could possibly be two you just need to review, or I guess reserve these, I should say, in advanced. Changes to check-in and check-out times. So hotels that cannot do kind of that 24-hour block of a room, They may be requesting guests to check out sooner in the morning and also check in later in the late afternoon or early evening in order to allow for more cleaning to take place. And personal care packages such as hand sanitizers and disinfectant wipes available in the room. So the advice is book in well-established hotel chains. Anything that complies with local regulations, don't be afraid to also call up these hotels, call up your vendors, find out what they're doing in terms of health and safety measures nowadays. What are they complying with? Bring adequate supply, face masks, hand sanitizers, etc. Wear a mask in common areas because you're probably gonna be required to in some places. And also if it's available, consider using a contactless check in and check out. All right, a gathering, will it happen? It will happen again one day, we will meet again. Kind of what you could expect or also think about implementing when gatherings do happen again, you may want to uh, have health screening and a questionnaire for attendees. So the same thing that may happen before you get on a plane or before you enter the hotel, you may want to ask your attendees to fill out a simple other questionnaire or have some non-invasive medical testing done. We're going to see smaller and localized events, so rather than jetting off to somewhere across the world or trans-border or even across the country, we'll probably be seeing a lot more localized events take place on a much smaller scale, at least through the rest of the year. Changes to venue and entertainment, probably gone are the buffet dinners, gone are the disco dancing nights after, after the meetings, after the serious business has happened anything that doesn't promote a social distancing lifestyle is probably not going to pass muster anymore. And two, if there was on-site gift giving before, you probably want to move that online and give e-gift cards, anything else that will limit sharing or passing of things back and forth between people. So some advice, wherever possible, hold gatherings outdoors if you can, wear a mask, uh, maintain social distancing, don't share items, consider having single-use items. And also, if you can, even a small scale, implement contact tracing strategies. This could just be very rudimentary information you get from that sort of pre-questionnaire that you ask your attendees to uh, ensure where they're coming from, who they've been in contact with, and then also follow that journey back home, again, just to make sure that no one fell ill during that time or they haven't passed something on. That has spread beyond uh, the small circle. All right finally as I'm aware of time and we're running out of it, so some other things to consider in general when it comes to kind of risk management. You really want to have your legals, all your insurance, all your finances firmly in place. You want to review any pre-existing, pre-COVID, especially travel policy programs. If you don't have one, now is the time to implement one. Like I said before too, talk to your vendors, send a risk and safety assessment. I know this is usually something you're doing during RFP time, but really do it again. Get in contact with them, find out what they are doing to ensure the safety uh, of people and have an actionable plan ready. So, I mean, in terms of crisis management, You want to be prepared for the worst, not so if the worst happens, you're going to be fine, but if the worst happens, you're well-prepared and you're not unprepared for a really horrible situation. Like I said at the very, very beginning last year, when I got back home from a trip and I was a little bit ill, my big thing, I was just worried about that my eardrums weren't going to like pop or bust on the flight as we were descending. Nowadays, If you fall ill, that could have huge consequences uh, for your own, not only yourself, but for your company. That four day trip could now end up being 14 days if you're forced to self isolate or quarantine. So I know that sounded scary and I do apologize, but uh, these are the times we live in. And I know with the right uh, information, being prepared, having that plan in place, you can still stay safe and travel and uh, gather.
1: That's great. Thanks, Suzanne. Wow, so much great advice and takeaways. And just to let folks know, someone was asking, we will make sure these slides are available in the document section of the site because I'm sure this is a handy reference for, for plenty of folks. Another question, Suzanne, some, somebody was asking, if. There's somewhere they could get like a sample form of the, the verbiage to send to, say, an attendee before an event to kind of prepare them for what risks are, they might encounter, how to prepare for uh, uh, travel in a risky environment.
0: Right. So actually right now, a lot of uh, meeting organizations if it's a national one or domestic one or international ones, what they are doing is already providing some guidelines. So if you definitely look out at for your association, they should be able to provide you with uh, that risk assessment or sort of those questions to already ask or be thinking about, not just for your attendees, but also on the uh, planner end as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting point. You made as well about opening up communication with vendors more. That this is going to be start these conversations, and, and it's just going to be more important than ever, was, especially with things changing as much as they are from even from day to day.
0: Definitely, I think before we always were in that I don't know habit of you signed a contract, you didn't think about it for three years, and it just kind of kept renewing, and it seemed fine. Everything's great. We never had a problem. Now you really want to reach out, reach out to your suppliers, reach out to those vendors. Really find out what they're doing. Um, And if they are worth their grain of salt, if they are good ones, they have something in place and they'll be happy to share that with you.
1: Mm -hmm. And one of the viewers had just asked too, what kind of actionable plan should we have? What's a way to think through the next steps?
0: Right. The first thing is if you do have a risk provider who does uh, risk assessments and risk management, talk to them. They will be able to take you through that whole process of basically crisis management of what you need to do. And uh, there isn't really kind of one size, it's not cookie fitter, it's not gonna be one size fits all. You really need to take a look at your own situation, your own company and your own operations and then find out what's gonna work and suit you best. So your first, I guess, don't say your line of defense, but your first best uh, contact would be a uh, risk management professional.
1: Speaking of like health and, and risk professionals, we're hearing more about someone on site even that's maybe a health expert who can be there to take temperatures, to handle questions, or, or at least bring that element to an event. Is that something you're hearing more about? Is that a valuable addition to a program?
0: For sure. And if it's not a new person, that can be a role that's taught. If it's not, I mean, in every company, there should be someone that has sort of their occupational health and safety standards down. They've done the exam. They have their certification. If it's not your HR person, it might be somebody else in the office. But it would be really good. Someone that is fully aware of what to do has that plan. If that's something that needs to be kind of either licensed out or, again, get certification, it's definitely beneficial to have.
1: Terrific. All right. Well, thanks so much, Suzanne. This is great. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening.
0: Great. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.